politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen, standing guard and vigilant to protect our life, our liberty, and our property here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back today for a brand new week, the Liberty Week, preceding July 4th, our Independence Day. And boy, is it more poignant than ever. We must fight for our liberty. Now, if you listen to my colleagues, there's no need to fight anymore. We won already. We won the battle of life. There's no problems anymore. We just had another great religious liberty, uh, religious freedom victory at the Supreme Court today, 6-3, to three, on a football coach in California being able to pray at the 50-yard line. It doesn't get better than this, folks. I mean, the, these are the best of times. Okay, sarcasm off there. Look, a lot of you know that my response on Friday, my elation to the Dobbs ruling, was a little bit muted. And I want to explain today why it's muted, why you can't blame me, and why you should be concerned as well. But learn the lessons, as we noted from the good news, what could be done, what should be done, but why it's not being done. And what I rep- what I resent really the most, is how the very phony conservatives that are giving in to the death, the culture of death, the anti-liberty issues of today where the puck is skating towards are the ones that are ingratiating themselves with the success of where the puck skated in the past. At some point, we have to learn the lessons of failure. Remember, every once in a while, we've, we've had great victories over the last 50 years. But things seem to get worse and worse and worse. And I'm the only one who's trying to put it together and ask, why? Why on net does it always seem to get worse, even when it seems like we're winning? And the biggest reason is because we have a movement that's dead set on always fighting the issue that we got beaten over the head with 50 years ago while they're on to bigger and better things. Now, doesn't mean we can't fight this. We did. And it turns out, I was actually wrong on Friday. I thought it was only a few states. It seems like the majority of red states already had a trigger law that the minute the Dobbs opinion came down, boom, abortions are banned. Done. Gone. Awesome. There's a couple of states we still have to work on, like Indiana, where we have a terrible governor there. But it's pretty good stuff. And to me, the first lesson from there is you take the abortion issue, okay? Most polls actually show, in fact, every poll shows, it's pretty divided, but there was always a clear majority that supported abortion in this country. Now, if you would isolate it to the barbaric tactics and the late term and everything, that would change. But in general, you know, the majority would oppose Dobbs, okay? It's certainly not a majority the other way. And yet, Republicans in almost every red state, boom, they didn't wait a second longer than they needed to. 50-year thing, huge issue, triggers a lot of people, banned. And I'm thinking to myself, wow. All these other issues that are actually even more, uh, more of a winning issue for our side than abortion, 
And yet, they tell us, oh, it's impossible. We can't do that. That's not politically feasible. They don't want to do this. Oh, we can't block baby shots. Oh, we can't block the tranny agenda. At best, we could just talk about female sports. Are you kidding me? It shows you where there's a will, there's a way. Where we fight for something and create a red line, we succeed. That's the lesson we need to learn, not to belabor the point we made on Friday. But I just want to reiterate that based on the news that we're seeing, that the majority of states actually did already ban abortions. Look at how swiftly they were able to do that. And I'm telling you, if they would act upon that on issues that are, frankly, they pull much better for us, you would have a different country. So that's lesson number one. Lesson number two, you've watched over the weekend as a bunch of Democrats have stated, I don't care about the Constitution, right? They cannot give you a constitutional rationale to ban a state from regulating abortion. They say, screw that. And they're all like, hey, I don't care about the courts. The DOD, unbelievably, DOD, they said that in their areas, let's say they have a base, I don't know, like Fort Campbell in Kentucky, or, uh, um, you know, really a good number of the bases are in states where abortion is banned. They're not going to listen to the states. And I, I again, admire that they are willing to use the power of the levers of government they control to advance their agenda, whether it's constitutional or not. Yet our side, except for abortion, is never willing to use the levers of power they control to secure our outcomes that are indeed constitutional and just and prudent. And I also just wanted to to note that when you look at all the left saying, I don't care about the Constitution, again, they're not just saying, Oh, I don't care about the courts. See, when I said we should defy the courts, I meant because we had a constitutional rationale and we would write legal opinions that completely bust up the court's jurisprudence and show that we have the Constitution on our side. The, they're, they're not alleging to make that case. They're not trying to make that case. Okay, they are blatantly saying, yeah, I know the Constitution is the way it is, but I don't care. Which underscores the point that you cannot live harmoniously in a country where only one side abides by the contract. And I bring this up a lot in the context of illegal immigration. If you have the Fed saying we are going to suspend immigration enforcement, you can't then enforce the Constitution on us and say, oh, well, states can't enforce immigration law. Well, that's when the Feds are doing it, but the Feds are violating it. All bets are off. So that's just another point I wanted to bring out. But again, broadly speaking, what am I upset about? And I said this before, but to those of you who have not heard me say this, I want to start off with an analogy, as I always do. So you have a 50-year battle going on where raiders and bandits are constantly trying to attack your garden, your estate, your barn, your farm. And, you know, it goes back and forth. They destroy some crops, destroy your garden, Halfway, you rebuild it, you fight. It goes back and forth for 50 years. Okay? 
and the fight is still going on. And while it's going on, a group of those bandits finally go in to the manor house itself and they slaughter the man's wife and children. Okay, they're slaughtered. Where we are today, and also just giving the analogy for myself versus everyone else, unlike that guy, God forbid, but who comes out of that manor home with blood on his shirt after losing the battle for the people, the people are dead, and I come out and I find the scene of everyone dancing around the garden. We won the garden fight after 50 years. It's over. We chased the raiders away. Now, what would be the reaction to that hypothetical person who just suffered the trauma of losing all of his family? But yeah, the garden is safe now after 50 years. That's how I feel. Does it mean that's not a good thing in a vacuum? Of course it is. And we're going to go through today, by the end of today, I want you to fully understand why Pfizer is the new Planned Parenthood, why biomedical fascism and these products that are being foisted upon us is the new abortion, except it's mandatory or de facto mandatory and at best pressured beyond belief. So far, nobody's going to pressure you to get an abortion. Okay, If you don't want an abortion, you don't have to get one. Again, it's immoral. It's horrible. We tried to fight it. And we did. We banned it in the red states. We have a couple more left, and that's fine. But I'm not going to allow the same phony Republicans that not only allowed the slaughter in the manor house to occur, but in, joined with it to this day champion it, but they're going to take credit for saving the garden. Voluntary abortions that our people weren't getting are over with in our states, although they'll be doubled up in the blue states. But mandatory abortions on you are now the new spirit of the age. And it's time we finally crack this stupid nut of the Republican Party and the conservative movement, and I'm hearing it from all these legislators I speak to, well, Daniel, I, 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 I oppose mandates, but the shots are amazing. That line is unsustainable. You will be made to care at some point. And I'm going to tell you why. Now, our first sponsor today, Birch Gold. In case you've realized this, Inflation is here to stay. It was actually what the Dallas Fed just put out. Um, they put out that inflation will be our consistent companion for a while, then stagflation. So not exactly an optimistic picture. That's why gold has always been a hedge against inflation, even now that cryptocurrency is going down. Um, how are you going to do that? You know, A lot of people aren't familiar with it. I recommend Birch Gold because they're one of the longest standing companies. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, and they specialize in converting your IRA or 401k rather than being in another you know, casino stock market uh, account into a tax-sheltered account in gold and silver. To get started now, text DANIEL to 989898. 
to get a free info kit on gold. There's no obligation to get this info kit. Again, text text Daniel to 989898 to protect your savings with gold now and hedge against the interminable inflation. And it will not end, folks. And that that's a pro-life issue too, by the way. I mean, this is this is no joke where this is headed. I shudder to think where this is headed, the next new thing. But I want to start off before we go into some of the latest news on the shots and then get to our special guest. So one of the things that happened today, just to illustrate this point, that when we finally stop voluntary abortions in part of the states, we then incur mandatory abortions. Again, what is going on in the military is heartbreaking. Do you know on Thursday is the deadline for thousands of National Guardsmen to get the shots? And I don't hear a single governor speaking up, and the governors control that. Okay, Unlike the other branches of the military, they could step in and demand none of them get removed. Biden would have to respond by title tenning them. That has not been done yet. Where are the governors? Disgusting. So I don't want to hear, oh, I banned abortion in my states. No, you didn't. But likewise, SCOTUS today ruled that, you know, this coach's free speech and free exercise rights were were violated when um, UC California barred him from praying in the field after the games. Six to three ruling. Now, I would note that even this ruling, it's not as categorical as you think. Um, it didn't categorically affirm once and for all that unless the state is literally establishing a state-run religion, California, is Southern Baptist, whatever, it's not a violation of the Establishment Clause. They didn't do that. They said in this case, it was, it was on its private time, it, the circumstances were so clear, it didn't even come into compl- conflict with anything. So it's not necessarily going to foreclose future cases, um, and they're going to keep coming back for more. So it's not that categorical. Clarence Thomas has always wanted to go categorical, but as always, he's a loner. But everyone's ecstatic about this ruling. But I want you guys to listen to this clip from October 2020 from Yuval Harari, Klaus Schwab's chief advisor, and what he had to say about God and human souls. Take a listen. But some governments and corporations for the first time in history have the power to basically hack human beings. There is a lot of talk about hacking computers, hacking smartphones, hacking bank accounts, but the big story of our era is the ability to hack human beings. And by this I mean that if you have enough data and you have enough computing power, you can understand people better than they understand themselves, Mm -hmm. and then you can manipulate them in ways which were previously impossible. In such a situation, the old democratic system stopped functioning. We need to reinvent democracy for this new era in which humans are now hackable animals. You know, the the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election, or whether in the supermarket this is my free will, that's over. Why am I quoting Harari? Because that guy matters. Okay, because clearly 
They planned the Great Reset, and they succeeded in the Great Reset, and they have succeeded in getting the Republicans to support the vaccination stuff to this day. So we might have our public prayer. You might be able to pray under your mask, injected with bioweapons that will sterilize you and kill you early and your loved ones. Just like you might have more guns than you ever had before, but we have less freedom. Do you understand the idiosyncratic outcomes, the uneven outcomes of our politics when Republicans obsessively, almost to a fault, fight yesterday's battle while they have, like, abortion is low-tech murder. They have high-tech murder. What are you doing? And, And let's get into that. We were told they were safe and effective. But in reality, these jabs are not safe and effective. They're unsafe and contraceptive. So some of you might have seen this, but this should be the biggest news story of the entire month. Not kidding, but it won't be, because it doesn't matter. Daniel, we won the life issue! Or did we? Last century, abortion was the biggest tool for the eugenics agenda. This obsessive agenda that... I must readily admit I was not fully understanding of how deep it ran and how much it defined much of the ruling class in the world. But this depopulation agenda, it was run through abortion. That has changed. You know I'm right when I tell you people like Harari, Charles, you know, Klaus Schwab, Pritzker, Bill Gates, I don't think they're crying over the Dobbs opinion. They might funnel some money so the blue states could you know, do their stuff and murder more, more babies. But I'm just telling you, because they already have it, that you can't avoid their abortions. I, I want to give due credit because it's hard. A lot of people have done good work on this. I think the first person to break this was Jicky Leaks. J-I-K-K-Y-L-E-A-K-S, if you want to follow him on Twitter, um, he's he's a physician. I can't say more about who he is because he obviously has to be quiet. Um, so he's not just some random goofy guy. Um, he is a very smart guy. And he was the first to set off this trend over the weekend of really good internet sleuths that have been finding one after another in countries. The first quarter of 2022, we are seeing a precipitous drop in birth rates in numerous countries. And the reason why the first quarter of 2022 is significant is because that is the the nine-month benchmark of, in most countries, where you had a critical mass of take-up of the vaccine among those who would be of childbearing age. In other words, the first safety signals you would have on lower birth rates, if, if assuming the shots would be causing that, it you know among seniors it would be the fourth quarter of 2021, right? Because they started, let's say January, February, depending on the country of 2021 in terms of getting the shots. Um, but obviously they don't, you know, they don't have the babies. It's it's from the younger cohorts, so that was more April May. And Jicky Leaks is the first one who started this with Germany and did a 10-year average, looked from 2011 to 2021, 
And you see every year roughly 63,000, 64,000 deaths for the first quarter of each respective year, January, February, and March. And that trend held consistent in 2020 and 2021. Why is that important? Because that's COVID territory. In other words, if COVID would have started to cause some of the birth, you know, low birth rates, maybe sterilizing people and, you know, sperm counts and ovaries and whatever, which, which is always a possibility. I mean, I'm open to that. COVID is a bioweapon. They're both bioweapons. But you would have seen that signal already long ago. You certainly would have started seeing that at the beginning of 2021. We do not see it. The birth rates are not any lower. Suddenly, you come to quarter one of 2022, and in Germany, it's down to 54,000. Okay? That's approximately nine standard deviations over. Suddenly. It, it, there's no sane way to explain that happening by chance. There has to be some monumental thing that occurred. So since then, people have noted online, there's a bunch of data now, a lot of people have done good work, Britain, Norway, Slovenia, Taiwan, Switzerland. Norway is down 16.1%, even more than Germany, over the previous five years for quarter one average. Okay? Um, in the UK, there's an 8% drop for the first two months of the year. I don't think they have March yet. And again, this is the beginning of when we would start to see it. So obviously, this is going to become clear either way within the next few months. And by the way, there was an article that came out last year predicting that there would be a baby boom based on the sales of pregnancy tests, which were up 13% in 2020, as we would have expected with the blizzard baby phenomenon, right? When you're locked down, the husband and wife were home together, right? You would, you would have much more of this, okay? Everyone thought you'd have more. And yet, it's down. Switzerland decreased about 15%. Let's take a look at... Um, Igor Chudov, on his Substack, make sure you subscribe. Um, it's called Igor's new newsletter, Depopulation of Taiwan. Okay? So he noted that there was a 23% drop in the birth rate in Taiwan. 23.24% in May 2020 compared to May 2021. And he notes that that is a 26 sigma event. So 26.3 drop in sigmas. So that means that the standard deviations are so far beyond the pale, it would be like a 0.00001% chance of, you know, just random chance being the cause of that. Okay. It's truly insane. I don't know how many zeros it is. Like, he, he has it there. It's something like 12 zeros in the decimal. And he notes, as we saw in Germany, it perfectly hits the nine-month benchmark of the take-up of the vaccine from that age group. Nothing else correlates with it. Now, correlation doesn't prove causation, but nothing else even correlates with it. But again... If it were just this, I wouldn't even, I'm like, I don't know, who knows what's going on. 
But when we know the lipid nanoparticles obsessively deposit in the testes and the ovaries, we now have this study on the sperm count reduction. We know that the lipid nanoparticles are pro-inflammatory, and inflammation there is, is a recipe for reproductive disaster. We know the sudden spike in stillbirths in Scotland, Israel, and Iceland, if not other places. Okay, we know OBG practices are having this problem, and they don't talk about it. There is no way this is not occurring. Just like there's no way that neurodegenerative problems and neurological problems and cardiac problems and hematological problems aren't occurring. It's a question of, is it yay bad or yay yay bad, okay? That's the only question to exactly quantify it. But the fact that these things are total death shots that is incontrovertibly clear and there is nothing to talk about. Again, I talked about this um, last week, but just to revamp, the most important study probably ever done, ever done, just came out. Co-authored by Dr. Peter Dashi, editor of the British Journal of Medicine. And it's a bunch of other authors from U.S., Australia. And they compared adverse events of special interest. So these are very severe Severe special, in, you know, you know that, that land people in the hospital. And they did a very simple thing. They looked at the trial participants of Moderna and Pfizer, and they followed them up for a, until a month after the second shot. And they found, and they wanted a very simple study. Compare, there's no complication to this. What is the reduction in hospitalization risk from COVID based on the efficacy of the shots? And what is the increased risk of hospitalization from non-COVID-related injuries? For Moderna, the increased risk of adverse events of special interest was 15.1 per 10,000 whereas the reduction that it, you benefited in terms of COVID was 6.4 per, per 10,000. So that's two and a half to one more likely to do harm than good. Pfizer, increased risk was 10.1. It's a little bit lower because the dose is, is lower in terms of um, severe adverse events. And the reduction in hospitalization was also lower 2.3 because again it's a lower dose so it's <laughs> here here's the deal if you in order to have a dose that worked at all you needed to have something that's going to kill you 2.3 to 10.1 so that's like almost 5 to 1 certainly more than 4 to 1 odds straight up straight up violation of the Nuremberg code there's nowhere to run and hide but it's much worse than that this was from 2020, this was the Wuhan strain where it had a little bit of efficacy against critical illness. Now it has negative efficacy against getting it and critical illness. It creates immune imprinting. So it's worse than that. And remember, the, that was the, the heart of the benefit was the first month immediately afterwards compared to just a month worth, worth of adverse events. They promised to follow it up for two years because you would think we'd want to study the long-term effects. 
as you well know, after a month, they unblinded the trials and they vaccinated all the placebo. So there's no way we'll ever find that. But as we all know, a good chunk of the adverse events occur within the first month. But we know certainly like with the myocarditis, a lot of them have subclinical and the inflammation grows and grows and could come out and, and, and a guy can go into cardiac arrest months later. Okay? So none of that is included. So the, the risk-benefit analysis is much worse than that. And then in the time we stand right now that we're initiating the baby shots, it is shocking. And, and that was for adults, by the way. For babies, there was never as the zero benefit, even the original Wuhan strain from hospitalization for COVID. And now it's negative and eons negative in adverse events. It is absolutely sickening. It is utterly sickening. That is a much bigger pro-life issue. That is population control. It's disgusting. Just over the weekend, brand new study published, French study published in Nature, found the risk of myocarditis following the Moderna shot within a week of the second dose was 44 times higher than the background rate. But surprising, uh, for, for... Males, 18 to 24. Surprisingly, for females, 18 to 24, it was 41, almost as much. So for all the talk with males, it found females almost as much. Pfizer seemed to be significantly lower, but still extremely elevated for like the 12 to 17 cohort. But Moderna was pretty much the same, which tells you, you stick that Moderna shot on babies and toddlers. That is literally a forced abortion. This is depopulation forced on you or pressured on you. High tech. You can't avoid it. Then we have, then we have tomorrow the future framework, the same FDA committee that approved the baby shots, they're meeting and they are going to basically allow, they have a briefing document that's out now, and it's, it's hilarious because uh, uh, Toby Rogers on his Substack has a great um, summary of this if you want to see it. He's, he's really taken the lead on this future framework thing, warning about it. They're not done. They have an endless litany of shots. So they're coming up with an Omicron shot, which, by the way, is for BA1 when we're already at BA5. <laughs> and, and by the time it comes out in August, we'll probably, who knows what we'll be at. It's unbelievable. But they say the shots work so well that we really need to get these shots approved much quicker. Except they don't work anymore, so we need new variant ones. So they announce the valuation of modified vaccines for the purpose of vaccine strain composition decisions will need to rely mainly on comparative immunogenicity data due to the time constraints involved in vaccine manufacturing, and clinical efficacy evaluation. That is a direct quote. This is a Joseph Mangala document. They're not even hiding it. And why should they? Republicans are going to call them out on it, hold a press conference, announce that they're not going to distribute them within their respective states. No, they're not. Could you imagine that? They have openly announced they're not going to have clinical trials. They're going to rely on taking a body, taking... It could be in vitro, it could be an animal, it could be in a lab. Oh, look, we see antibodies. 
Even, th even though we've learned from two years that it means nothing. So it's like, this is the new normal. They, they go from one to another to another to another. So what happened was they couldn't show efficacy in kids, right? So they had to do this immunogenicity bridge, immunobridging. And now they're using that against us. Yeah, you're right. The shots don't work. So we have to show just antibodies. Oh, and now that we did that with babies, now this is the new normal. So now headed forward, do you think you're ever going to have a new vaccine produced that is safe and effective based on this? And yet they have endless, an endless litany of them in the pipeline. You cannot say, Daniel, I, I don't want to talk about uh, um, vaccines. I, look, I don't want mandates, but vaccines are great. I, I, that's medical. I don't want It's not political. I don't want to touch it. That is the biggest issue. It reminds me, for 15 years I fought this. Daniel, I'm opposed to legal immigration, but I love all legal immigration. And I was like, what? I mean, how much? From where? Over what period of time? Like, like you can't just say that. And, and they would never want to touch it until it was too late. Endless Islamic immigration, the crazy refugee program, the visa programs, too much, too quickly from the third world. Couldn't Americanize them. And they're like, no, we can't be viewed as racist. We can't be viewed as anti-immigrant. We can't be viewed as anti-vax. It's all about that. Facts and justice don't matter with these jerk-offs. Doesn't matter at all. That's what it was. And by the way, as you well know, when you're of the type, all legal immigration is great, but I don't like illegal immigration. You're not exactly fighting illegal immigration with all your power either, and it's similar here too. They're like, we don't like mandates, yet they voted for the budget bill, and, and, and to this day they're voting for the NDAA this year, the defense bill, with the mandate in it for the military. <laughs> so we have it on the military. We have it on healthcare workers. We have it on people who need organ transplants. And they're not doing jack squat about it. One more story I want to bring up before we um, bring on our guest to talk about Pfizer being the new Planned Parenthood and why this is the new abortion issue by a magnitude of 50. This is from last week from the UK Daily Mail. Lost children of lockdown. Classrooms of five-year-olds still in nappies. You know, the diapers on their faces talking like cartoon talking like cartoon characters they binge watch and unable to feed themselves. From the way she gently coaxes her little girl into smart new trainers, it's clear that Chloe is, is a caring mother. And as someone who wants the best for her children, she has concerns about the development of both Jordan 6 and Maya 4. Waving an exercise book at me, the pages can covered in squiggles. Chloe 24, a single mother who lives in the outskirts of Norwich, explains Jordan's teacher wants him to write a poem. But he's so far behind he doesn't even know what a full stop is. So they have funny words there. I don't understand. I mean, maybe they mean a, a period. Um, and they talk about how they basically have turned an entire generation of children into transhuman, robotic, bungling idiots. And that is Yuval Harari's dream. That's Klaus Schwab's dream. You make people stupid. They can't talk. They drool. They, they, they can't function. This is what they did. And Republicans went along with it. 
Yeah, now they'll say we shouldn't have shut down schools. Maybe they'll say we shouldn't have masked kids. But certainly aren't doing what it takes to pass constitutional amendments permanently criminalizing masking of, of, of the population, especially kids. So perhaps in two, three years from now, they'll be on to like, yeah, maybe the, the shots were a mistake. Never fighting the issue at the time it matters. It's a crazy, crazy article. Goes through it. And they, they talk about the low, you know, low income. But um, I was speaking with my sister, because uh, my, my sister is a speech therapist. And she said it's been her busiest year ever. It's insane. She's like, at least I have permanent job security. And she said the difference that people don't realize is it's actually affected high-income families too. Okay? See, the thought was, oh, high-income families could do better with – um what do you call it, the distance learning, the Zoom garbage. But it turns out the Zoom thing wasn't, I don't even think the Zoom thing was the biggest issue in terms of permanent damage. It was the going back to school for a year and a half, and depending on where you are, with that stupid mask. So all the Republicans, when they supported locking down the kids, and they were like, yeah, that was a mistake, let's go back to school. Daniel, I understand you don't like the mask, but it's better than nothing. Go... I, and I was like, no, it's actually better to be home without a mask. I don't care. And that's what it does. She d tells me that they, they literally, they, she, and, and we don't mean this in a mean way. She was saying they all look autistic, but they're not. I mean, they're, they're, they're not autistic the way they talk. Um, and, and, and she, you know, maybe I'll have her on the show at some point. I mean, she's scared of losing her job. But like everyone else, no one wants to speak out publicly. Um, you know, and that whole profession is obviously covering it up because they, they know you can't miss it. You cannot miss it. It's like, you know, you talk about standard deviations of increases in, in trends. The amount of people that need speech therapy is like tripled. I mean, I'm making up a number there, but you get what I'm saying. It's out of control. So she told me that if you look at the sounds they can't make, it it's all because of both them wearing a mask, the adults that the toddlers, uh, you know, from 2020 would would typically follow, their facial expressions, they weren't able to do that. That in itself is a freaking holocaust. That's a genocide. And you want to say, oh, we solved the baby issue? And that was forced upon the children. Again, I could avoid an abortion. We couldn't avoid that schooling issue. The clot shots. And now I want to get to something else you can't avoid. <clears throat> so as I mentioned on Friday, part of why my attitude and demeanor was a little bit muted, a little bit dark, given what a momentous day it was, is because of a story I was dealing with, which is similar to this entire thing. Why, as we ban in red states voluntary abortions, we now have de facto mandatory abortions in red states, with the blessing of almost every Republican. And the sickest manifestation of this is the kidney transplant and the heart transplant stuff, where we now have people being denied transplants for not getting the COVID shots and other shots. That's a new thing now. It's such an idolatry. We don't do this for anything else except for this. Well, we mentioned this story from Middle Tennessee in one of the Vanderbilt uh, medical facilities where we now have baby August, August Stoll, S-T-O-L-L, -L, and you could go to 
CODA for August Hope, C-O-T-A. It's a, a transplant organization website for August Hope to donate to the case there. Six-month-old baby that badly needs a heart transplant imminently being denied. Initially, they wanted the COVID shot with all them. Now they might have dropped the COVID shot demand, but they want all the other ones literally together. So with us today to give a quick update on this is Robbie Starbuck. Some of you might have remembered him. He was one of the few congressional candidates running on our agenda. Um, it's a whole long story. They ran him off the ballot in Tennessee 5. We'll have to get to that another day. But rather than just you know being sad about all that effort he put in, he's doubling down to be a voice for people even outside of Congress. And he's really trying to represent this family in the media, um, get the story out. He's done a good job of that. Uh, Robbie, thanks so much for joining us today to discuss this this terrible story. Absolutely. Uh, happy to be here as a representative for the family. Uh, to be clear, I am still running for Congress, but, you know, like you said, I've kind of put politics aside for this situation to help the family um, and taking a little break here to do uh, to do this for them because they were uncomfortable doing the media stuff. So they asked me if I'd do it for them um, to give updates to people because they're spending so much of their time with baby August. But, yeah, I mean, the way that you intro this is absolutely I mean, just spot on. This is a situation where a six-month-old child essentially, you know, had their life held over their parents' heads, and they tried to coerce the parents into doing something the parents were not comfortable with. Unfortunately, the update in the case is that uh, baby August is not doing well enough to be transferred to another facility. So we're trying to work with Vanderbilt to, to, to get them to... Uh, you know, listen to the parents' concerns and, and make a deal with the parents so that the parents can make their choice, have their parental rights intact, and still have their baby's life saved. I mean, the very idea that any doctor would be okay with essentially sentencing a six-month-year-old baby to death, because that's what it is. If you say you can't have this heart transplant, his heart is failing, he will die without the transplant. Um, it's just mind-blowing to people because, I mean, I think most of us operate under the assumption that doctors get into it with the oath to do no harm. And yep. that's definitely not what's happening here. So so two things I can't understand. Number one, what would possess a doctor when a ba the baby's in a NICU on a ventilator? To at that point, you, you I mean you have the systemic organ failure. You're worried about like the child vaccination schedule. I mean, that's a mental illness in and of itself. It's like you know, I don't know, you're worried about some preventative thing while someone's dying out in trauma after a car accident or something. Who does that? There's something really wrong about that. But then also just medically, you know, I'm saying even if there was nothing wrong with it, it would be a little bit bizarre. But putting the COVID shot aside, it seems like they backed down on that. But originally they were going to force that. Um, could you explain medically what it looks like? And I know neither of us are doctors, but I don't think you need to be that you have a baby on a ventilator and you're giving them what, like 10, 15 shots in one shot? What does that even mean? Doctors, if they, if they have a cold, then you know that you're not going to be asked to go and give them shots while they have a cold. The doctor will reschedule actually um, to a different time you know, for them to get them. So it's the idea that doctors are already familiar with that when you're immune compromised, you know, you shouldn't go and give these kids these, these vaccines, even if you are okay with them, because it could potentially be harmful when your immune system's already down and your body can't deal with the load that it brings. 
Now, to then tell somebody whose child is suffering from heart failure that they have to go do this and potentially deal with, you know, the outcome of that, which could be the most severe, instead of going and trying to fix the child's heart, it's just crazy. And this is the thing, too, is, um, you know, the cardiology team has actually been great to, to August. This is one doctor on the transplant team. There was no issue until he went for transplant, you know, to go on the list and get, get reviewed for everything because he actually had heart surgery um, in June. It failed. It was not a transplant surgery, but it was just a heart surgery. And they had no issue with his status. So this is particularly also about how certain doctors have an agenda, in my belief, um, and go on to have, you know, sort of a God complex. And you know, really use that in inappropriate ways. And I think that's something we're seeing here. Yeah, I mean, because it's not a situation where you're dealing with, let's just say, measles or mumps, and you're like, man, you got to get the shots. We're dealing with heart failure. And why would you obsess about that? And as you mentioned, you know, a lot of the childhood schedule, they are live attenuated viruses. So that's not exactly the type of thing that, to me, it makes sense to do multiple versions of that in one shot while the kid's on the ventilator. It just it is just shocking. Um, now he, well, if you also yeah. just look at the concern set, like, you know, um, giving, you know, hepatitis vaccines. We're, we're, we're in an area where there's not a, a this mass outbreak of hepatitis. I mean, it's a very cleanly, well-off area. Um, beyond that, you know, things like the flu shot. In year over year, the efficacy of the flu shot is, I mean, to be as favorable as I can be, not entirely something that you can, you know, bet your money on working year after year. Um, there's been years where people who got the shot actually in studies were found to have gotten the flu more. And Depletes then there's your T-cells, years where that's yep. not the case. But to, but to go and, and mandate that to a child or say, or else, you can't, you can't be saved. I mean, here's the thing, too, that's nuts about this, is that even if, let's operate from the, the assumption that you fully agree with the doctor, and you fully agree that the kid should have this. The kid's not the one making the choice here. Yes. So you're going to punish the six-month-old yeah. child who can't speak because you disagree with the the opinion and the decision yeah. of his parents. That's ludicrous. It makes no sense. Even if you believed for whatever reason that it was necessary, you would inform them, you would encourage them, you'd pressure them. But when push comes to shove, the notion that you would just – but but again, they want to make sure they nip it in the bud, that there is no – no dissent from that agenda. And that tells you something that's a little bit shaky about the vaccines, because if they're that amazing, then uh, you wouldn't need to be that hardcore about it. There's something, there's a yeah. funny agenda going on there. Um, here's what I don't understand. This is not Berkeley, California. Okay, this is Middle Tennessee. Yeah. Where the heck are the Republican elected representatives and the governor? You know, I, I have reached out to the governor, um, and I did speak with his chief of staff. The chief of staff told me they'd be reaching out to Vanderbilt. Um, I've yet to hear back in terms of how, you know, that all went. Um, I did reach out to some representatives. Some have said they're making phone calls. Others have said, you know, how can we fix this for the future? And I started to discuss the idea of certain legislation, and the parents love the idea of legislation, um, especially, you know, if it was called something like August Law that would essentially yep. stop this from ever happening again and would very clearly outline the parameters for the fact that vaccination status can never be an impetus to you getting medical care, that you you yes. should be able to get this care and you can't be prioritized differently 
based on vaccination status because that it should never be a consideration in saving yeah. somebody's life ever. Yep, and and until you get rid of every other discrimination law, you know, don't come back to me and say, oh, they can do whatever they want. Okay, we're not going to have 1789 yeah. libertarianism for them and 2022 North Korea fascism for us. Okay, we're going to exactly. apply anti-discrimination law evenly. You want to get rid of them? You want to get rid of Title Seven? We can have that discussion, but you know, you can't you can't play that game within the framework that we're living in because then you get fascism. Um, so I think this this is really really important because it's happening everywhere. It's happening in red states. Also, what I find important, too, is I thought they did have a bill that addressed this. I think we're not so clear on it. Um, but even if it is the more expensive version that I'm, I heard, that even a CMS customer, so, so a, you know, a, a hospital that takes CMS money, um, they, they were exempt from the mandate law passed by Tennessee. But my understanding was that patients, that was just for employees to get it, but patients, they couldn't you know, mandated upon them. But even if I'm right about that, which I think we're still, you know, exploring, it doesn't apply for the other shots. And that's something I didn't think about. So don't we need a a broad legislation to to not just focus on the COVID shots? Yeah, we do. We need we need broad legislation that overall focuses on just pure medical freedom when it comes to vaccination, that, that this is this is people's choice. You know, they get to decide well, med- and honestly, this goes for, you know, really all medical care because there's some there, you know, there's and of course, the left will say, well, what about abortion? Well, that's somebody else's medical care, not just yours. You're killing somebody else who doesn't yeah. have a choice. But in terms of your medical care, your body, you should be in control of what medical decisions you want to make. You know, if yeah. you want to get chemo, you should be able to get it. If you don't want to get it, you should have other alternatives and not be, you know, um, discriminated against by the medical establishment. So I think that there's a number of different areas where people yeah. would say they felt like they were coerced into treatments and things like that um, with the threat of you know losing other care or whatever it is. And we've got to have broad legislation that deals with all of that and says, no, you're free to make the choices about your own medical care. And just to be clear, to make an equivalent with abortion, it would be the equivalent of us saying, hey, if you get an abortion – and then let's say simultaneously you need a you know a kidney transplant or something. The woman needs it. Kid- We're not going to give it to you if you get an abortion. No. I mean, we, we would never suggest that. That has nothing to do with anything. We don't like abortions. It's murder, and we're going after that. But we're not going to deny other care that saves a life just because you don't like the other choices that they're making. Um, and nobody is doing it. This is this is a horrific violation of the Nuremberg Code. Um, I know I'm shortchanging you, and you really have a hard out now. Um, we'll have to have you back again, but just real briefly, uh, when's the primary and kind of frame it for us what the contest is about? Yeah, totally separate from baby August stuff. Um, it is, it's August 4th. People have to write my name in, Robbie Starbuck, but we just had a, um, a straw poll come out um, from the district wide, and we were pretty shocked. Um, I, I got over 50% of the vote in it. Second place was somewhere around, I think, 13 or 14%, something like that. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of people who are saying like the establishment really screwed up here. We are going to do whatever's necessary to elect this guy. So, and I think that's really just about transparency and the fact that, um, you know, I've been very clear and I've said from the beginning, I think a big reason why everything that happened to me with the ballot and going to court into the Supreme court and everything, I think a lot of it had to do with, and this is my personal opinion. I got a lot of pushback from the establishment when they realized I was really seriously not going to take money from the pharmaceutical companies and from the big medical packs and stuff. When I said no to that stuff, I think a lot of them thought it was like a public veneer. But when they found out I actually said no to the money, I think that that changed certain things. That's just my opinion. 
I've seen how it plays out in politics. It's not a popular thing to do, but I was willing to not take that money and instead throw some of our own savings in, um, you know, alongside people's donations and stuff to get the job done because I just feel like the idea of being a representative has been really distorted by certain people in power. And the idea was never to go and be a lobbyist for pharmaceutical companies. It was to be a representative of the people. That's not to say I'm an enemy of these companies or anything like that. It's that I'm I'm not an enemy of the people, and I'm not going to go and have these companies in my back pocket dictating the decisions I make. I want to be able to have real representatives again that, that do what's right for people. Well, we are definitely going to count on you because we have very few people running on this issue, even though it's the issue that took over the world and destroyed our lives, but somehow it doesn't exist to Republicans. I have about 10, 15 pieces of legislation I'd love for you to introduce if you get there. What's up with um, with Trump's endorsement? How is that playing in the district? So he's not he doesn't have an endorsement in this race. Um, we're doing a poll right now that I hope, uh, you know, if it's favorable enough, may get Trump involved in the race. Um, you know, I think I've been a, a great um, advocate of his his policies and, you know, friends with his son, Don Jr. And Don Jr. actually demanded that the Tennessee Republican Party put me on the ballot, but mm. they didn't listen to him. Um, and so, you know, they've they've had some some vocalness from the family in terms of that, you know, Um so we're working towards it, hope to earn his endorsement in this. Well, yeah, I mean, because that's, that's the key. Without that, it's very tough, and we got to get him on the right side of these endorsements because our, our people just don't have the the money to go up against Big Pharma. And, and uh, you know, one good member for medical freedom is worth 50 others. It's not about a majority because they're all a bunch of rhinos. It's about... Yeah, because the- to, be, to be perfectly honest, you know what we need? We need, we need people up there who are willing to shame our own caucus um who are willing to say hey i took this over there this is a bill that does exactly this this member this member this member said no they said it's impossible you know and and really put and i know that's not a popular thing to say in the establishment but the truth is is if we don't have those fights we don't we don't go and do those things what are we and why do we exist are we just democrats light Uh, Are we actually going to stay? I mean, we can't use the words liberty or freedom or any of those things if we don't actually stand for it. You know, and that's I guess what bothers me is that there's a whole lot of people there who will cut an ad where it has the words liberty or freedom in it. But the minute you give them a bill and the chance to stand up for liberty, they're suddenly busy and they've got a schedule conflict. You know, Um, so, you know, we've got to fix that. Well, we're really pulling for you. But again, what you're doing even now is more important so where could people find out both about you and then about the, the you know, the baby August and how to uh, donate to the legal fund? Yeah, so actually, you know, givesengo.com slash fight for August is the best place to go because Dakota want to, you know, uh, I'm not sure with the media attention this has all gotten if there's going to be any issue there. I know oh, with givesengo there's not going to be. Yes, givesengo.com. So, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Yes, givesengo, where is it? slash fight for august fight for august okay and yeah and then you you can find out more about me search um starbuck2022.com again i've tried i've tried really hard with the august stuff to keep politics out of it i even i told you know um a lot of people you know we don't have to discuss my my race at all like just i just want to advocate for this issue because you know i mean this is this is a kid's life you know i and you know to be honest, I don't even know how his parents vote or anything like that. I have no clue. You have no clue. And, and just so people know, for the record, I made a mistake when I introduced you. I thought I didn't 
now it's coming back to me with the writing can- candidacy. I thought you were done. <laughs> I didn't even know you were still running. So I'm, I'm actually yeah. very elated you're still running. That's good news. But that is absolutely not why I had you on. It's all because of this. Uh, we'll revisit that at some point. But yeah, I mean, we, we have very few people fighting for that. Go out. Um, get this done. Let Let us know how we can help and keep us updated. Will do. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. God bless. So there you have it, folks. That was Baby August. The story of Baby August was, you know, uh, Robbie Starbuck, who's also congressional candidate, Tennessee's 5th District, a writing candidate because he was so potent running on our issues. They had to find technicalities to kick him off the ballot. I don't even know all the story with that and and how that happened. I just know he wasn't well-liked by the establishment. And as you can tell, for good reason. Um, But now I think you understand why I'm feeling the way I am. I mean, it's just this issue, the magnitude of this life issue is so much greater than the abortion issue for the simple reason that you can't avoid it. If you're in that predicament, you're in the military, you're one of these people, and and it's going to be everyone in the future. Remember, if we don't get this as an issue, taxes, abortion, guns, vaccines, if we don't get that up there, we are now staring down the barrel of an endless litany of these new things, even assuming the existing ones aren't problematic, which we already found out the flu shot is. Um, and, you know, I would suspect some of the others have some problems as well. We need a commission to go through all of them. We need that. That is so anti-life that you could take every baby that's born, jab, 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 more, more, more. And now openly, now we know they're dangerous. We don't need to investigate the new ones for sure. Oh, I'm pro-life. No, you are not. No, you are not. If your Republican is not raising concerns about the shots, they are part of the death culture. They're not only not conservative, they're certainly not pro-life. They are not pro-life. Okay, this is a mandatory abortion. This will be part of any childhood schedule. They'll ban you from school. You won't be able to get a pediatrician. Okay? This is apartheid. This is Joseph Mengele territory. Actually, I mean, the truth be told, and I hate to sound coarse, but even the Nazi experiments, after the genocide, they actually benefited a little bit scientifically from some of them. Whereas this, we literally get nothing for. It's just garbage, straight up bioweapon garbage. I mean, maybe you learn how to wage biowarfare against your enemy, but other than that, um, you're, you're going to learn nothing from it. And by the way, just one more story. Did you know that the dirtbag Republican Chris Sununu, governor of New Hampshire, while he's actually different than all these governors because he officially is pro-abortion. He's, I think, the only Republican governor left, maybe Larry Hogan, too, of Maryland, but I don't even consider him a Republican. He vetoed the bill making ivermectin available at pharmacies that we work so hard for. So you could kill a baby, no problem. You could access, he's distributing in New Hampshire, distributing the death shots to babies, negative efficacy, thousands of maladies it causes, including death. Yet, he vetoed a bill to make a Nobel Prize winning essential drug available at a time when they're making it so hard for people to get it. And you're telling me the Republican Party is pro-life. No, it is not. It's pro-life 
of yesteryear's battle. And frankly, that's how it always has been. They're always good on the issue that is not before us, at the expense of the issue that is. Now, it doesn't have to be at the expense. You know, you could be both. But what I'm telling you is they are using this to screw us on every other issue. Now everyone's fine. Everyone's disarmed. This entire insurgency, this budding insurgency, you know, it's ironic. This say, Literally 30 minutes before the Dobbs opinion came out on Friday, I had my column breaking in and writing what I've said to you guys over the, over the airwaves, the need to start recruiting independent candidates to run in general elections. And then 30 minutes later, this came out like, great. <laughs> you know, now there's going to be no need for it because we're saved already. It's fine. We're done. We solved the problem. No. Look at the life issue. Look at the abortion issue and see how, after many years, you finally made it a red line, a litmus test that every Republican has to immediately go pedal to the metal on that issue and ask yourselves, why isn't it that way on the issues that matter even more right now? And how do we make it that way on those issues? And that's what we're going to build on for the rest of the week. Got a lot more coming down, some interesting guests as well. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes with a comment that's really helping. I, I, I can't thank you guys enough. It helps with the algorithms. Um, I, I must say, I do apologize that some of you have said that iTunes is running these um, <clears throat> like homosexual agenda ads at the beginning for the so-called Pride Month. Look, I mean, unless I abandon iTunes completely... There's nothing I can do about that. I, I asked about that, our, our tech team here. That's just how it rolls. Obviously, anything that I endorse as a live read, I you know I endorse. Um, those ads, I certainly don't endorse. Uh, but, but the only way is to just get away from all those platforms, which would make it very hard for people to find the show. So for now, you know, we got another two days left to this wretched month until we have July, which is Liberty Month, Biblical Pride Month, as we like to call it. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.